Welcome. Sorry, the show was late. Um, life and I'm trying to put together a business, but I guess we'll talk about this in a in a future episode. And you know, a work and shit. It's just everything just collided this week. But I wanted to take a second and give this episode an intro because something cool happened. I have, um, I just recorded yesterday, actually, an interview with Eric Wagner, Eric Wagner, sorry, the singer for Trouble for the Manic Frustration album. And we had a fantastic conversation. It's like, it was like two hours long. And I don't think I'm going to edit most of it. So I'll, I'll probably post the whole thing. So with, with that said, it changes a couple things. So let's talk about what it changes. It changes the release. Uh, because instead of next week doing um, Cannibal Corpse, I'm going to publish the uh, the interview I had with him. It was a fantastic interview. And then after that, it'll be Cannibal Corpse. And then after Cannibal Corpse, we'll go into uh, the Blaze Bailey era by finishing the live albums for Maiden. And then we'll go back into our normally scheduled programming. But you, who knows, maybe... When we look at the year the albums were released, we'll find another album to review. But we, we will not stop Maiden. Maiden will continue. But there may be a couple of turns in the mist. The second thing that changes is when I'm talking about this album next, I am extremely sure, like a fucking nerd that what I'm saying is true. And I almost like deleted most of what I said, but I was like, fuck it, because it's a lesson. It's a lesson for me, which I learned uh, not to not to sound like I'm the, I'm the master, a travel uh, knowledge guy, because no, I I was totally wrong. There are a lot of things that I state in this episode that I am, yeah, well, the band did this and the band did that. And this is the reason that this happened. And this is the reason why this happened. And there are things that I dismiss that when I talk to Eric, they are far more important than I thought it was. And um, I got to give it to Paul. Uh, Paul said a couple things. Like, for example, this, the, the, the no stops in the middle of the songs and whatnot. After talking to Eric, Paul was right. But I'm not going to spoil it because then why the fuck you don't need to listen to the episode. Anyway, my lesson is not because it's written on the internet. Not because I found it on a magazine. It means it's right. Um, so it's a great lesson. Um, I'm still going to be the asshole that has an opinion. But... I'm not going to be as sure of what I'm saying as as 
as I usually am, because I was like, oh yeah, well, this is this happened because I am a very smart guy. Uh, no, this happened because I read it and I thought that makes sense to me and I'm an idiot. Anyway, enjoy the episode and uh, thank you. Sorry that I was late. Uh, I'm going to try and work on it this weekend for the next episode, so it's on time. And uh, I'll see you next week when it'll be just me and Eric Wagner from Trouble. I know. Imagine that. And then after that, Tomb of the Mutilated. And then after that, back to Maiden. Unless we find something else to talk about. Anyway, you know where to find us. Send us a message at um, uh, radusmusicallyinclined.gmail.com. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. And we will see you on the road. Thanks. So, hi guys. How are you doing today? Welcome to week two of our non-maiden uh, venture, I guess. It's good. Yeah, happy Sunday. I'm doing good. Okay, cool. How was work, Anthony? Uh, well, I haven't had to do any work over the weekend, so that's slightly better than last time round. But yeah. it's still been it's still been pretty crazy. I'm I'm ready for some time off. Anything coming up? Uh, I'm taking some days off uh, at the end of this coming week and the, the week after around Labor Day. Not going to do anything, just going to kind of do some cleaning around the house and, and chill out. And, you know, I might listen to the album that uh, that Paul's going to have us do next time around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I I gave it a listen, but I it took me off the mark of what we were doing so much. It was like, wow, this is like <laughs> total left field from everything that we're doing. Yeah, uh, I, I, I gave it one listen so far, and I'm going to, once once we've done Trouble, I'm going to have to come back to it and, you know, actually take some notes and stuff. Yeah, ditto, ditto, <laughs> ditto, ditto. Hey, so we didn't discuss this a couple weeks ago, and by the time this comes out, it's going to be way late. We just lost Martin Birch, and we never talked about it. And I know we talked about it personally, but was there anything that you wanted to say, uh, Anthony? I know I'm kind of throwing you in the spotlight without letting you know because i just like literally just remembered looking at this i mean the man was a complete legend you look at you look at his production chronology and you know he's got deep purple on there he's got rainbow white snake sabbath maiden blue oyster cult uh he worked with the original lineup of fleetwood mac when you know before they brought in um stevie nicks and uh lindsey buckingham i mean he just did some incredible stuff and um, while he hadn't really done anything since 92 when he retired you know you just look at his legacy and yeah I, I get it he was in his 70s everyone has to pass away eventually but you know this one this one hit me pretty hard because he produced so much work that really influenced what I listen to today so you know it's a I feel like it's a pretty sad loss for for the metal community so, hello all, and welcome to the second bonus episode for the year 1992. So, you all know the drill by now, but in case that this is your first listen, and you just strolled in after Fear of the Dark, and you skipped Anthony's episode, go back and listen to it. But, 
We all were in love with different albums in 1992 that did not have the word Iron or Maiden in their titles. And we decided to take a break from the epicness of Maiden and talk about our favorite albums of that year. So last week, you listened to the last of Wasp, The Crimson Idol. And I'm saying that we'll last because I'm not sure if it's going to be a one or two parter, where I think it's just going to be a long episode, um, which was Anthony's favorite album of 1992. This week, we're doing mine, which is Trouble, Manic Frustration. I also want to add that we are forcing Paul to choose an album and that he will be doing the next episode under protest, but he chose Tomb of the Mutilated Cannibal Corpse. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so... I am going to do uh, some things differently than my usual setup for a show since the year has absolutely already been discussed in this episode. I am going to discuss the history of the band from beginning to the album. Of course, I will skip some items, but I want to make sure that you're as familiar with the band as I am. And at the end of this podcast, you are as in love with them as you can get. Or, you know, if you never were in love with them and you can't get in love or whatever, don't worry about it. Just, Just listen. So... The band Trouble, not to be confused with the rapper Trouble, the other band Trouble, and the other band Trouble, and the other band Big Trouble, and the Elvis song Trouble that was covered by Danzig on Thrall Demon Sweat Live, or the movie Nothing But Trouble, or the movie Big Trouble in Little China, shout out to my friend Christopher Lee, hail Satan, or those Pokemon guys who are Trouble and make a double. And with that and, said, and also I can not tell the, you, yes, sir. Also not, not the bar Little Trouble in Atlanta. Not the Little Trouble in Atlanta. Yeah, there's a bar, there's a bar on the it. west side called Little Trouble. It's really good, actually. And what is it? Is it like a... It sounds like, like a country like, bar. No, it's like Blade Runner themed. It's all neon and, and futuristic. Why haven't you told me about this? That would be awesome to see. Well, I just did. We'll, we'll go <laughs> when this pandemic's over. <laughs> oh, and with that said, I can tell you one of my favorite bands did not really take off the way that they should have. This is a band that could have done so much better if they had had a name that was probably easier to search, especially before the internet. So I searched Trouble Band and even thought they are the even though they are the first thing to come up in my search, there are still some other musical artists attached to that name. On a completely unrelated note, there's a blues rock band from 1978 that had some guitar player who never amounted to anything, and he was awful. I think his name was Stevie Ray Vaughan. And what was that band name again? All, all Together Now, Double Trouble. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the trouble we're talking about was formed in 1978. In some places, you will find... Oh, look at me just hitting this button and losing my spot. The band was formed in 1978. And in some places that I read, it states that the band was considered active from 1979 on. From 84 um, to 84, really. Oh, yeah. From 84 to 84, they released four demo albums, one of them being a live demo and a single, which had Assassin and Tales of Brave Ulysses. Those two songs will be integral. I can't speak today. I was doing so well. I made it till here. (laughs) <laughs> Those two songs will be integral tracks on their self-titled release, which because of the small words that were at the bottom of the album cover, everyone called Psalm 9. But it was supposed to be Trouble, Trouble, Trouble. Myself included, 
I called it uh, Psalm 9 from the beginning. Later on, when they signed with Deaf American, they released another self-titled album, and then they renamed this one Psalm 9 just to shut all idiots up. The band used Do Me Down tune riffs, Do Me Down tune riffs, and they had spiritual Christian lyrics. So much that uh, Metal Blade started calling them white metal in response to the black metal movement at the time. The band, for reasons that I do not understand to this day, disapproved of the moniker. The lyrics were indeed very Christian, except that they would use words like bastards and fuck, which was like, okay, cool. That Psalm 9 and the... Right. <laughs> I guess it was the drugs. Just saying. Psalm 9 and the album, released that same year by St. Vitus, are considered by many critics the first doom metal albums. As Anthony already probably knows, Tales of Brave Ulysses is a cream cover. Do you? I did not. But I did. I, d I recognize the song title, but I hadn't I hadn't heard their demos, but I know the song very well. Look at Paul. All creamy. Wait. That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> all creamy on a Sunday morning. That's why he's so tired. He just got all creamed up. You don't leave your you don't allow your daughter to listen to this podcast, right? No, no. Okay, keep it that way. Yeah. The next release is easily one of their best known releases. It is called the Skull, and it has the title track and "Pray for the Dead," which is uh, easily the most recognizable trouble songs. The album once again has Christian undertones, and their album covers can also be considered Christian. Big difference between the lyrical themes between the first two albums is that their lead singer at this point was having a lot of substance abuse issues, and they were coming out with uh, it were, they were coming out in his lyrics, almost like a cry for help. In 1987, the band released "Run to the Light," the final album, with on the nose Christian influences. One review that I read that I could use to surmise these first few albums is. While the music kicks major ass, the production suffers a little, but not as much as the first two albums. Probably the only problem most people will have is with the lyrics. Most of the lyrics, if not all of them, are Christian-based. And while they're not preachy vocals, they tend to focus on what will happen if you don't believe in Christianity. This type of lyrical content, which is dark and evil in a sense, adds upon the evilness which is expelled from the doom-style trouble puts out. I say, get over the lyrics and get this album. This is a must-have, especially if you like Black Sabbath and other similar bands. Good songs to check out are Run to the Light, The Misery Shows, Thinking of the Past, and Unborrowed Time. Oh, how appalled are my co-hosts right now? <laughs> eh, a, I know you not, like Striper, so... Okay. I'm not, I'm not bothered by it. Good, good. I mean, I, 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 I can ignore lyrics sometimes. To be completely honest, with as much disdain as I have for religion... If I can put aside the message and enjoy the shit out of these albums, there's no way anyone who is on my save level of disdain or less cannot do the same. I mean, if you hate the music, then that is a different story. But I once had a very stupid conversation with someone, a former guitar player from us, uh, Paul, who told me that he understands that Glenn Danzig is into the dark side, but when is enough enough? Whenever he feels like it, buddy. If Striper can still write about the love for Jesus Christ, let Glenn pray Satan. God damn it. If your book is correct, he will not win. So chill the fuck out. With that said, if you have a ton more disdain for religion than I do, then congratulations. Don't listen to this album because that is a lot of fucking disdain. 
Anyway, I didn't really care for Run to the Light. The band then took a three-year hiatus during this time is when I discovered them. Uh, they were not playing shows. Everybody was like, well, they used to be a band. They're no longer a band, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, after their hiatus, they signed to Deaf American Records, which is a label that had Slayer, Danzig, Beastie Boys, and eventually, after the label changed its name to American Recordings, they released the famous Johnny Cash American albums. There, they released their fourth studio album, which was their second self-titled album, which was produced this time by Rick Rubin. This album had shorter songs, less Christian lyrics, and a whole lot of Sabbath. This album became one of the soundtracks to my life for that year that it was released. The seriousness of their self-titled album to me was an instant sell because the songs were shorter and to the point. And then came 1992's Manic Frustration. Their fifth studio album was released on June 6, 1992. The band changed their doom metal style for a more psychedelic one. The songs were faster and trippy and dealt with drugs and mushrooms and doing the devil's lettuce. One of their song lyrics is, Hell is better, I confess. The band made a thematic 180 change. And no, they aren't now satanic. They just changed their theme and sound. On the book, 500 best heavy metal albums of all time, Manic Frustration sits snugly at number 262, with their self-titled album sitting at number 269, Giggity, on that same book. On, on that same book, Danny Kavanaugh from Anathema has Manic Frustration on his top 10 albums of all time alongside Master of Puppets and Seven Son of a Seven Son. Jorgen Sandstrom from Entomb has it on his along, alongside Ride the Lightning, Death Scream Bloody Gore, Slayer South of Heaven, Raining Blood, and Motorhead's Another Perfect Day. The same book has it number 6 of top 10 doom metal albums of all time. And it is number 15 on Martin Popoff's albums of all time, above Ride the Lightning, The Last in Line, Hellbent for Leather, and Sabbath's Born Again, among others. And if you're like me, and you need to know who is number one on this list, it is Black Sabbath Sabotage. Funniest thing about this album choice for me is that I am not sure at all how you guys are going to react to this album. So since I've been talking for the last 75 minutes... <laughs> Go ahead and shit on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm actually not going to shit on it. Um, Yay! I I will say there was a few things that were a little odd to me. Um, but there again, you know, this is the first time listening through. I mean, even though I've listened to the album five times in the past week, that's besides the point. Um, I don't know. I thought all around it was a really great album i mean there was a lot of i mean i could hear tons tons of different influences that either dated themselves or were actually appropriate for the time um but the one thing that was kind of weird for me was the segues they put in between the songs or none at all <laughs> right yeah yeah I, I guess that's more my point and then you would have you would have a couple of there's a couple tracks where it's like it doesn't jump right into the next song it has some weird almost like an outtake of them fumbling around on acoustic or saying something and then it goes into the next track so you really you kind of you don't even it's like what were they doing when they recorded this? You know, you kind of have, <laughs> I kind of have a few questions about, you know, what was going on in the studio. Um, they were mostly. high. Yes. <laughs> I mean, and there, 
yeah, there was some things in there that I, I questioned like that. But I mean, overall, it, it's a really solid album. I, I think I agree with Paul. I mean, I really enjoyed parts of it. Um, musically, I thought it was very, very solid. Vocally, uh, vocally was where I struggled. Um, you know, he his kind of wailing on some of the heavier tracks I found kind of got old pretty quickly, which is the same reason I struggle with ACDC. Um, but lyrically, I thought it was solid. I tended to prefer the slower songs. So some of the, the faster songs I thought sounded a bit samey, but then you had things like Rain and Memories Garden and Breathe, which for me, I thought were absolutely fantastic and will probably make a couple of my playlists. Um, you know, this is not going to be, I think, as as a cohesive uh, body of work, the entire album is it, probably not going to be among my favorites, but I did enjoy it. I think it's the, that's how I would phrase it. Why are you the way that you are? <laughs> hey, I didn't hate it. I just said I enjoyed it. It's just never going to be one of my favorites. No, no. The other question I had was it's the same vocalist for everything, right? They don't have, like, dual vocalists or one yeah, guy sings same, one song. Okay. Same guy. Same guy, yeah. He has yeah. a really interesting range. Yeah. When I he mean, goes I, low, it's right. low. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing is, I, you know, me and Anthony don't have the comparison of the other older albums and everything else. Like, you probably mm -hmm. listened to his catalog, so you probably have a a broader range of what he does dynamically. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it was just very odd. Um, I didn't, again, I didn't hate it, but it was just kind of like, we went from like this um, very Zeppelin-y, almost darkness, um, kind of higher shrieking, you know, raspy voice to almost a typo low <laughs> where we take you on this slow spoken journey you know of lyrics and everything and i i almost had questioned that it was the same guy on a couple of the tracks because it was like how how do you have that really nasally high and then come down and do this other kind of odd low and yeah uh, the um so the album the skull you if you get a chance listen to the song pray for the dead the okay. whole song is in that tone and it's like sabbath like gang 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 then he comes in the one you love <laughs> is there <laughs> and the whole song is in that you know and then there are there's a little break where he goes you know up on your lips and then he comes back down again but it's here is the opposite. Here is he's he's done the higher for most of the album, and then when he comes down, you're like, oh yeah, he used to sing like that. Or in your case, who the fuck is that singing? <laughs> right, you know, I just questioned it, but I think I think what it plays into is, as Anthony was saying, is some of the other songs that he mentioned, like Memories Garden, are the ones where you kind of mix those vocals, and I think where. I think maybe Anthony was having trouble is the songs that predominantly went one side or the other, but where you have like memories garden and a couple other tracks where he kind of goes in between, you know, the, the variances rather than just sticking to one 
kind of, um, I don't know, range, I guess, in a sense of way to say it. Yeah, yeah I, I think yeah, that's a fair and, uh, summary. Yeah, and um, like, for example, Breathe is all an, an old school trouble song without um, stabbing guitars behind them. I really liked Breathe. I know we'll probably do a track by track in a minute, but, you know, yeah. that and Memories Garden, I think, were probably my favorite tracks of the album. Really, really solid Memories stuff. Garden. Yeah, Memories Garden was their first single. And when I saw that, I was like, who the fuck is Like, I caught it halfway through. I was like, who the fuck is this? That looks like Eric from Trouble. And then when, the, you know, MTV had the, at the end, they would put the, the name of the band. I was like, oh, this, this trouble. <laughs> so, yeah, I found out that the album was coming out in, well, you know, through the magazines, because that's all you had at that time. And right. I opened the store. Something else came out the same day. And then I was like, are you here for trouble, Manic? For, he had to go get it from the back. He's like, give me a second. <laughs> it's like, why isn't this up front? This should be the big sale item. They didn't have sales in albums at the time. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, you were yep. still looking at uh, Hit Parader magazine, probably. It was Hit Parader and Metal Edge. Right. So I want to say it was Metal Edge that had the thing. And, you know, in Metal Edge, you have to go to the back for the heavy bands. Quote unquote <laughs> right. heavy. So, yeah, slowly... They started moving them forward. I remember, I think Anthrax was on the cover of Metal Edge, and I was like, oh, not Poison! Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those, those magazines had a real knack for picking some of the cheesiest things to center. And but you're you, just like, really? Like, this band that's buried yeah. in the back auditorium or editorial <laughs> right here, this is the one that should be on your cover, or at least the main page, not whatever this is i remember the first time i bought um oh my god what was the was it rip magazine or one of those magazines from england rip or terrorizer or i don't remember terrorizer. first time i nice. yeah and I bought that album and i was like there is no poison warrant <laughs> Skid Row in here. Okay, let's go find all these bands. <laughs> I think I bought it because they had Maiden on the cover or something like that. And from there, I was like, okay. That's how I discovered um, Bind Guardian and the fucking Death and fucking... Uh, I don't remember who else right now. But I, I do remember clearly Death because they had Chuck doing an interview and he was so intelligent i was like i need to hear this yeah chuck was great yeah Speaking yeah I, someone we lost too soon yeah way way too soon yeah i remember i don't way. remember what year they came out but i remember getting pit magazine which was pit. predominantly yes. death and black metal see i got pit and i searched for some of those bands and too many of them were not my taste. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like three quarters of the bands that are in there all relapse and release records and yeah. United Gutterall and But from there, there I got hypocrisy. Yes. Which one was that uh, one? Uh the one with the alien on the cover, the arrival. Oh, okay. I know. And my the... favorite's still Oslam obscene them, but 
Uh, I I I listened to that one, but the album that I picked up was that one because it's the only one I could find. Um, right, the Arrival was the one I could find. Then Catch Twenty Two came out, and I bought that one, and nobody liked it because they slowed their songs down and they had better songwriting. And I fucking love that album. Then the one that came after was that I can't remember the name of it. I bought it, and I fucking love that album. But I still like the Arrival is my favorite is is one of my favorites, but. Catch 22's shorter songs. To, it's just to meet Peter Tactron is a genius. And the way he writes death metal in black album style is like, what? And yeah, loved it. Yeah, yeah. Peter is Peter's great. He's like an, an early Devin Townsend. <laughs> yes. Except he was more serious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot more yeah, serious. A lot more serious. And I, I discovered in flames through them too, through Rip. Nice. But yeah, yeah. Um, the Pinball Map was the first. You know, the, they were on tour for Clayman, I think. And then I bought a, vi- a video that had. Um, I bought it because they had a, a type a, a Moonspell uh, video, and I, I would only watch the Moonspell video. And then I looked at everything else that was in the in the playlist, and it had Pinball Map. And I was like, Oh, isn't this in Flames? I just read about them, and I hit play on that. And I was like, Fuck yeah! So I picked that up. So you discovered In Flames before they sold out? Yes, I discovered In Flames before they sold out. Yes. It was Clayman, um, the album that I and the live. I, I bought the live album because it had a cover of a Maiden song. Um, and the album that I ordered said that it had the cover, and it did not. So I had to go and pirate the cover. <laughs> oh my god! It was part of the six 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 experience, I think, is the live album was called, and I think it was Murders in the Room Org the song they covered. We're having too much fun, Paul. Do you want to go ahead and bring it down? Yeah, sure. I can. I, I mean, I have a little quick excerpt for us today. Very, very brief. Um, so <clears throat> on February 17th, 1992, Jeffrey Dahmer's murderous orgy was officially okay. over. He was found guilty just two days before. Um, obviously, most people probably know about Jeffrey Dahmer. If not, you probably should uh, do a little not research. search for it. Don't don't search for it. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> uh, I don't ever want freedom, he said. Frankly, I want a death for myself. This was a case to tell the world that I didn't, that I did what I did, not for reasons of hate. I hated no one. I knew I was sick or evil or both. Now I believe I was sick. <laughs> So Dahmer did not deny that he committed the barbaric crimes, which included cannibalizing and in some cases lobotomizing his victims and spanned more than a decade from 1978 to 1991. Um, Some of these quotes, I should have stayed with God. I tried and failed and created a Holocaust, Dahmer told the court. If I could give my life right now to to bring back the loved ones, I would do it. I am very sorry. I deserve whatever I get because of what I've done, he continued. I am prepared for your sentence, which I know will be the maximum. I ask for no consideration. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, he he was pretty remorseful when he was in the courtroom when this is all going down. Um, but also, was... you know, admitted to everything he'd done and said, yes, I'm a monster. I mean, that's that's an amazing self-awareness. Well, the other thing was, is that, I mean, ultimately he was gay. And having been raised in such a religious fashion, um, he beat himself up about it all the time. So he was constantly hating himself just for being gay, let alone everything else. And it was just something he never really grasped, I guess, in yeah. a sense. Yeah, just suck a cock, for God's sake. Yeah, well, he he did, and then he cut it off and cooked it up, so. Yeah, well, suck a cock and keep it where it's at. <laughs> Leave the cock where it's at. Um, so, Dahmer was sentenced to 15 consecutive life sentences. <laughs> Jesus. 15 <laughs> consecutive life sentences. Yeah, you're never getting out. Um, in Unless prison, you're in Latin America. Right, yeah. Then then you, five. It was, no, it was like, yeah, it was like 18 years. Yeah. <laughs> for for killing 300 and some odd people we're going to take you from you know 200 consecutive life sentences down to you know 20 years no big yeah no big deal um he was sentenced to 15 15 consecutive life sentences in prison before he would be eligible for parole which i don't know how many how many years is a life sentence does anyone know off the top no. of your head how many no, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I'm just. I think it's about thirty, isn't it? Am I wrong in that? Um, well, regardless, he didn't make it very far because more than two years later, he was beaten to death by a fellow inmate on November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety four, and that was the end of Dahmer. Yeah, uh, that that was my conclusion. So we can we can bring it back into uh, other types of manic frustration. Track by track. <laughs> Track by track. Track by track. Right, I guess we'll skip all this stuff here. Yeah, I would just put that there to see if we wanted to talk about anything else, but we have definitely used our time well. <laughs> I didn't feel this was going to bring a lot of conversation, and in reality, it hasn't. We <laughs> murders and stuff, and I'll yeah. probably cut a lot of it, but we'll, we'll get there. Anyway, track <laughs> by track. <laughs> Uh, come touch the sky. Statement of intent. We're now a psychedelic band with heavy riffs. So, feeling more like a mixture of Sabbath and Zeppelin. Zeppelin? Zeppelin? Instead of the original Sabbath Child, the first song of the album has no rest and goes blistering through. Obviously a song about getting high off your ass. Yeah, I really like this. I mean, it's got a good opening riff. There's some really thundering bass. Um... Yeah, I, I think this is absolutely a statement of intent. Again, from the off, I wasn't quite so sure on on his voice. Um, you mm -hmm. know, it's a little too screechy for me. Again, it, it mm -hmm. reminded me more of ACDC than anything else. And for me, that gets old pretty quick. But musically, really enjoyed this. Sweet. Paul? Yeah, I, I again, statement of intent. I think it comes out kicking kicking the door in. You know, here we are, you know, regardless of the lyrical content, because I didn't, you know, I don't look into all that stuff. I'm more of just listening to the music. Yep. Um, and it was very Zeppelin-y to me. And, and that Zeppelin, uh, Sabbath, you know, uh, kind of presence is there. The vocals, to me, sounded, you know, reminded me of, I mean, even though they were 
before both of the bands, uh, Great Event Fleet and the uh, the Darkness is really what it kind of reminded me of. But that was because that's what I have to compare it to. <laughs> I can see Great Event Fleet, but the Darkness. Well, he Darkness goes higher. I mean, Darkness is more of like made uh, Judas Priest range, I think. Where he's he's up in that way you high. You almost said Maiden, and I would have had I to think kick he's, you off he, this conversation. He's very Freddie Mercury from the darkness, right? And and I think I think I can kind of feel the the frontman vibe from them in this one for sure. You know, he kind of gets in there and uh, gets all nitty gritty. <laughs> in the nitty gritty. That's right. <laughs> and that breaks into excuse me uh no break black sabbath intro and riff with some more hippie lyrics i can smell the weed on spotify yeah <laughs> a lot of discussions about loving everyone living in a past that i can only assume is the 60s short song and to the point no doom break was that at this point was anthony already annoyed or did he pass through this one I mean, again, the, the I thought the vocals were a little more tolerable in this song. Um, okay. Really like the riff. I thought there was something a little um, Megadeth-y about it. Um, I, I, in my notes, I've just written, really dig this song. Um, you know, I think kind of, it, it was kind of an anthem for those who don't necessarily fit into the expectations of societal norms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like the message it had, even if it, you know, you could smell the weed from a mile off. Yeah, <laughs> you can smell the weed from my mouth. <laughs> Paul, did you feel right at home with the weed smell? Not that you I mean, I, that. I, yeah, no, all right. Mm. I think I was already smelling it anyway. So, with the album, <laughs> with the album on or off, it really paid no no attention to any of that. It was yeah, it's all oh, it's it's ever present. Yes. Um, um, I, you know, again, I enjoy the track. Um, I can't, I tried listening to the album again so I could have a better feel for each individual one. And some of them kind of blend together, um, but they're not bad. And I, I really enjoy uh, this track as well. But there's, there's a couple of these tracks where because there's no break, like we were saying, and the, the segue between them is none. Um, my brain never really clicked. This is that song until I hear the chorus on a couple of them, mm-hmm. and that and that kind of throws me off because like I can hear this excuse me, but that's all I can pick out in my head at this point. But I know that I like this like the song. Um, the one thing that I will mention because I can't remember what songs they were. There was a bunch of songs on here that had a lot of, of had a weird kind of grunge vibe to it. And I don't know if this was one of them or not. It may have been the sleeper or something I think it's else. The sleeper. I but think it's them, the sleeper or fear. Because one of them I was just like I heard like a very Allison Chainsy Chains kind of um I don't know if it was riff or vocal or something they did in there. There was like a tone where I heard it. Um, but anyway, uh, another solid song. The Sleeper comes next, which I, I actually think the one that you're talking about being grungy is Fear, I think. 
Because that's yeah, it's like so. and it does remind me of Alice in Chains. Not that you say that, um, but anyway, the sleeper no break and no slowing down on the third song either. This is also one of those songs that remind me of a clash between Sabbath and Cathedral. Shine on everyone somewhere. There's gotta be a better sun. Is the chorus so you do not forget that they are very much hippies. Still, <laughs> this song reminds me. <laughs> this song to me seems to be about homelessness and dreaming of a better world for yourself. Um, and for those wanting me to do voices, uh, shine on everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Which by this point, I'm assuming that Anthony was like, somewhere there's got to be a better song. <laughs> because I hate these vocals. <laughs> I, I really like the music on this. Like the bass line to me uh, at the beginning, that felt kind of Steve Harris-esque. And I was getting a lot of Megadeth again in the guitar work here. So, you know, again, the, the vocals were starting to really grate on me by this time. Um, <laughs> but aside, aside from that, I really like the track. I'll also mention that there was a bunch of songs that, to me, screamed this era. You know, like it wasn't just a matter of hearing, you know, the Sabbath or Cathedral or you know, uh, Zeppelin or anything like that. I actually felt like there was a good bit of riffing. I don't know, maybe it was the production because wasn't this was done by Rick Rubin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Yep. Maybe it was the, maybe it was the production value, but there's a bunch of things on this album that just scream that year of 92. Like the tone, everything was and I can't remember. I think this might be one of those songs that did that where there were certain aspects of the the riff or something in the mix where i heard it and i was like ah this makes me feel like like 1992 like i feel like (laughs) i kind of like i'm in that time zone again so you know there's something to be said for some of their writing on this even though for me i hear a ton of influence from a bunch of different bands um there is uh kind of weaved into there where it's we're in 92 and this is us, you know, versus something else. Well, I didn't mention a lot of, I didn't mention it at all, but the Beatles are sticking their heads all over this album. Mm, okay. I can, I can, I can get, I can smell the Beatles in it uh, everywhere and every turn. Um, not the vocals, Anthony, but, you know, they're, <laughs> yeah. they, <laughs> they they have a lot of like I can see bits and pieces of things that are like oh yeah you listen to the Beatles definitely. Um, well, I wonder if that's where the the segues or non segues or unconformed kind of areas that are acoustic little parts that jump into the next song. Maybe that's part of you know part of what you're talking to as well because there's a bunch of you know, other Beatles album, albums where they do stuff like that, where you're just kind of like very off the cuff, like, wait a minute, what? They're just talking for a second and into the <laughs> song. Yeah, could be. And the guitar player in an interview that I, I, I'm not sure if I copied and pasted it on that little group in the middle there. He said that if he could change one thing from the album, he would change the segues. He would make the album, the songs end and have a uh, not not run one into the other, right? So not everybody was on board with that idea, right? And maybe you know, maybe you know, like I said, it was Rick Rubin. Maybe he they were all just so fucking high 
They're like, fuck it, man. That sounds amazing. That, that's cool. That was great. Do it again. Do it on the next one. Do it on the next yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> that you know one's a really good fear. album, man. You know, it's a really good idea, man. Just l- listen to me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. He's so crazy. Listen. <laughs> Say it, say it. it. Uh, Then we go into fear. We slow it down a little, not a whole lot. Sabbath influence is still notable to me, but this is more of a D.O. Sabbath. The song to me reminded me of going on ghost hunts. No idea why. Probably the second verse where he talks about hearing music all around him. I think that was just the drugs. No, I, I liked, I really liked the riff on this. It had a really nice kind of chugging riff to it, which, you know, I think you described as sounding like Alice in Chains. Um, and this one is is kind of a strange one because the, the vocals in the first part where they kind of add a very lo-fi production um, mm-hmm. effect onto them, that kind of pissed me off. But when it gets to the part that's the, the, where he starts singing, we can see the color of our dreams... I love like that, part. that goes a bit more mellow in the music and and his singing and that sounded really good to me. I was like, yes, I want more of this. This yeah, is great. I agree. Oh my god, yeah, that part is my favorite part of the song. Uh, yeah, and I really like the the lo-fi vocals. I'm sorry that it pissed you off. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe I was just in a mood. <laughs> maybe I was just in a mood. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still in still in that mood. He's still in that mood. Yeah. It's been a long fucking week, guys. <laughs> so this is your song, Paul. This is the Alice in Chains. Well, not your okay. song, but you know what I mean. Yeah, this yeah. The one you were. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really dug this tune. Um, like I said, I, I tried listening so I had a better distinction between the songs, mm-hmm. but, but my fear is, is true as some things just start running together so much that it's like, okay, the first three songs, you know, statement of intent, next three songs, okay, fear, okay, that's different, you know, and it's like. <laughs> going through it's like i can't remember you know touch the sky i got that one in the next two not so much fear stands out you know and the next couple stand out and then again they kind of i don't know it's it's weird you know and i and i blame i blame the segues for not having a distinct cut and stop to some of these things to really make them pop more yeah, um, yeah. well the the segues stop now kind of they're not as as marked as the first four songs, um, right? But uh, the thing that I liked about this is that it actually felt like a show. So we've already discussed that you know, Baby Radu would sit in his off in his uh, bedroom with a shirt over his head to look like he had long hair, and he would <laughs> grab a uh, imaginary microphone and go through his favorite albums for the year and sing them through. Uh, this was those that the first four songs sounded like I was at a show. I didn't have to wait for the cassette to get to the other one because it was like the ba next one, da next one. I was like, yeah, live. Here we go. Yeah, that's that's very true. 
So yeah. it's kind of like blaze, blaze, blaze. All right, we're going to slow it down for a second. We're going to slow it down. Speaking of slowing down, we get to rain. The first ballad reminds me of a 70s song, but it has more of a modern and an 80s metal way, of course, twist. I never really could explain part both times makes me so fucking happy. And also the line rain sheep keeps falling. Even though this album is relatively depressing, the lyrics seem to hint to a better tomorrow at all times. I never stopped listening to this to this album and felt hopeless. This is one of those songs that I have always wanted to cover. Fucking love this. So beautiful. I I really dug this one. I think it added a bit more of the psychedelia than the first four tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a really, really nice guitar solo right in the middle of the song that sounds very, uh, very soulful. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was definitely getting a lot of those kind of late 60s, early 70s vibes from it. It's a lot of kind of, um, you know, Beatles um, and really kind of the, the whole Summer of Love psychedelic era. Maybe a bit of something like um, even like Jefferson Airplane. Yeah, know. I can hear that. I can hear that. I remember when uh, Mr. Big released Green Tinted 60s Mine as a single, uh, and that song supported me one other time. This song does the same. Paul? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I dig it. Um, like I said, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to envision the song, and I'm kind of blanking out, but I remember liking it. The guitar player is... Um... They're really good uh, together. They're a really good team. They they don't overplay over each other, and they, they write for the other one. Well, and that was kind of um, the other, because most of the time I try and listen to these albums with headphones because I like to hear the mixes. And that was one yeah. thing that I, I really kind of enjoyed about the whole album um, was sitting here and listening to the different guitar parts and the different mixes of things. And there was a couple of songs where, I mean, and this is coming from my standpoint of being a guitar player with other random guitar players and bands where it almost sounded like there were riffs that one guy wrote and the other one couldn't play. And it kind of worked the same way going back. Like he could write riffs that the other dude couldn't play. Yeah. And and they would just pick and be like, all right, that's the one you wrote. All right, well, I'm going to write this to go on top of that rather than trying to play your part. And there were a couple really interesting. I'd, again, I'd have to really sit down and pinpoint every song that happens and where. But I, I found a lot of this album did that. And I really like that kind of stuff where, again, you're not just doubling up a riff or a guitar part. You're actually creating like context and you know dynamic and you know kind of different things that add you know elements to it so you know whether that was the band or rick rubin or whoever um i applaud them for that cool then that brings us to tragedy man this fucking song another song that reminds me of going on ghost hunts and finding sad ghosts i was reading at this point (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> one of Han her ghost hunting books and most of the stories that I had just that, that I had just read came out through this song. I absolutely love this song. Uh, I love that it has solos before the second verse. I love the bridge. I regret to inform that you have won a trip to the other side and the breakdown. To use uh, a little bit of old school trouble to get to the main solo to me is brilliant. 
Yeah, I really like that part, actually. So, you know, this picks the pace back up and, you know, you get the same vocals again. But then it, it gets to the chorus and then there's that nice kind of effect-free guitar line. It's a little cleaner. There's a really fat bass line that I really dug. And then it has that ripping guitar solo. I mm -hmm. really liked that. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really good. And, you know, they were two lyrics away from this song falling on my shit list because it's called... The, the chorus is another tragedy man. And had he said, I am the tragedy man, it would have been the end. <laughs> <laughs> the end. Paul, the do you remember this one? <laughs> the assassin. The assassin. Oh, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. And I, I did really enjoy this one. Um, again... You know, it's all it's it's hard to be like, again, you know, it's the same same great kind of songwriting that's continuing on the album. Um, I can't say one bad thing necessarily about it. Um, I'm just it, what I'm having trouble with is trying to remember different parts because there were different songs where I heard different things like where they kind of had. I mean, I guess and this goes with the whole doom uh, feel is where mm -hmm. I heard kind of some COC kind of riffs or mm -hmm. down mm -hmm. kind of riffs and I don't remember if this was that song or if it's not Manic Frustration um, I, that I I'm think Manic of. Frustration and, uh, and this one but I think Manic fr Frustration is more of a down kind of deal right yeah but I you know again I think it's a solid song the leads sound good I mean I can't, I can't shit on it. Which <laughs> <laughs> uh, brings us to Murray's Garden, this fucking song, part two. Uh, should you go first and I remain one thing that I have to do? When I didn't want to be sad about losing someone I loved, I sang the chorus to this song. Eternally reminds me of my grandmother, and it's another song on this album that I would love to cover. The first single for the album. The solo is one of my favorite solos for this album, and that I have recorded of all time. And they have some really good solos in soul, but god damn, this song is so beautiful and heavy at the same time. Yeah, I, I thought this one, you know, the, the Beatles influences are very much there like particularly yeah. you think like sergeant pepper and onwards yes. but they make it much heavier um and th there's a progressive element in there and mm -hmm. to me it, it's there were times when it's almost something that oasis would try and do with be here now although they obviously did it much softer mm -hmm. um but i really dug this one this one was definitely the highlight of the album and i really think the album if if you know they're calling the if they're naming the album off the best track on the album, it should have been called Memories Garden. I agree, a hundred percent. Should have, yeah, yes. And I like sad songs. I like melancholic songs, and this song has heavy melancholic. Just has so many good things. If I had to remove something about it, maybe I would have removed this the laugh in the beginning. But it still works. <laughs> right. See, again, that goes into the, the odd segues. Like, <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? Like, yep. why, why are we including that? Did somebody just 
they were too stoned and they edited it wrong and it was like yeah fuck it i don't want to go back and do all that work because at this point in time everything was still analog so it wasn't as if they were using real digital stuff to record so i imagine some things were like that's on the tape dude fuck it yeah (laughs) it's there I told you not to laugh, you piece of shit. Yeah, I said be quiet, dick. I'm like, man, come on. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, I would have to say that, yeah, this is this is probably my favorite uh, memorable and favorite song on the album. I mean, there are, like I said, there's really not a bad song to me because um, they all play their kind of oddly cohesive portion to the album Mm -hmm. but this is definitely like you were saying anthony like if if we were to take the you know the best track and make it the title the the album should have been called memories garden rather than manic frustration but um they were probably more manic on the drugs that yeah that that took over the idea of memories garden because they didn't remember that shit they were just in manic frustration trying to put it together because they were so fucked up (laughs) yeah and uh i don't know the memories garden would have made for such an amazing they probably also had the cover already and it looked really cool but i'm sure memories garden would have looked just as nice in the font in there right yeah this is the most solid song to me is one of those songs that you put against anything. It's like, oh, okay, cool. That's a great song, but listen to this song. But, but you know, they made their decision and Manic Frustration, which is the next song, the title track of the album, which I had written the first time. I was trying to be more positive, but I had written Manic Frustration does not deserve the title track of the album. Um, yeah. And... It just doesn't. So many better songs, but I love this, and I love the fact that even though it is still about drugs, it's closer to fucking up because of the drugs. And I love how the song ends with those solos and makes it such a different song compared to the rest of the album. It is the closest to old trouble that this album will get to. And even though the solos are great, and I get what they're doing, memory card. <laughs> Right, but see, the thing is, is you know, you you always related to it, uh, the old trouble. You know, we don't, I don't know what that sounds like, so I'm gonna have to go through and try and listen to some of those to get a better better comparison. Anthony, you dislike this one? Um, I liked the. It had a really nice musical groove to it, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I'm really digging the music on most of these tracks. Again, there's just. On, on tracks like Manic Frustration and some of the the others earlier in the album, you know, Come Touch the Sky, Excuse Me, there's just not a lot of melody in those vocal lines. They, they all sound kind of samey, um, mm-hmm. which is where I struggle. But musically, I, I really enjoyed this. Okay. Then uh, Hello Strawberry Skies by this time. By this time, when I was listening, Baby Radu was expecting slower tracks. And boy, this song just slapped me in the fucking face. Such a fast song for what they used to do. More drugs, of course, because why not? I can see the mushrooms through Spotify. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I the, the riff on this, I mean, it really had, had me. Eh. 
it really had me ha- had banging. No, it really had me head banging. Let me get those Say words that right. Three times really fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and, and the soloing was great here. Um, Strawberry skies for Paul. Um, I yeah, again, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the title reminds me of again. Now that you mentioned it, Beatles. Yeah, I mean, Strawberry Fields Forever. I mean, so yep. we're we're on the whole mushroom trip. We're all grazing that same kind of pasture, so to speak, um, with with everything. So a, a great track. I mean, I'll have to listen to the lyrics more to get the full gist of it. But yeah, I mean, these guys are definitely enjoying themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which brings us to enjoying ourselves with Mr. White. I wonder what the song is about. Um, <laughs> this, I think, I think it's about something that they clearly used a lot on the uh, recording of the Crimson Idol. <laughs> right, I was oh. going to say, Bla- I think Blackie for the win right here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm waiting for him to buzz in. <laughs> yep, and be like, I'm wild child. Um, so this fucking song, part three, this is my absolute favorite song on the album. Um, to me, the best song they have ever written. It is so fucking melancholic. I understand that the band has more iconic songs on the first few albums. And I understand that people are more into their first few albums and I do not give a flying fuck what they say or want to think. And I understand that Memories Garden is a better written song, but could never show you how I feel. Even so, I didn't care. It's only that inside. I'm so tired. So tired of being all alone. Now the hours are breathing, gone like tears in yesterday's rain. Jesus Christ. It's like, I've wasted my time with all this, these drugs. You know, the drugs are killing me. I can't do anything about it, and I can't fucking stop. I teared up writing this, and I have never, ever had a drug. Go on, shit on it, Anthony. I have nothing to shit on this one about. Um, the opening solo was fantastic. Um, it really slows down the pace a little bit. And that opening solo, I thought, by the way, was very Clapton in its style. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it slows down the pace but still keeps it heavy. I think this is where their doom roots really start to shine through than mm. other songs on this album. And I found that I really dug this one. I've got nothing yeah. to shit on here. Wow. Awesome. Yay! Yay. So um, that brings us to Breathe, which Paul remembers very well. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So my father absolutely loved this song. I remember that after we listened to the whole album on the way to do some errands, he would ask me to play the song again. Uh, Later on, I found out that at the end part is an excerpt or a cover of the No Angels song called Atlantis. Beautiful song, fantastic way to the album. Huh, was that, is that on the version on Spotify? Did I miss that? It's the, the end, end part. Down below the ocean. Oh, okay, I didn't realize that was a separate song. Yeah, no, it's the same song. But it's oh. the, the end part of the song, it's a separate song altogether, which is Atlantis. By Got a it. band called no angels, I believe. And okay. I 
found that out because of that. He was playing something, and I was like, you listening to Trouble? That, that sounds really, really old. I got up, and I heard, and I saw, oh. So then I went and searched. I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I learned something today. Anthony? Cool. Um, I really like this track. I thought it was... I was getting a lot of those kind of late 60s, early 70s vibes again. It had a nice slow start. Um, you know, there was a nice guitar solo at around the three-minute mark that was very soulful. Um, it was anthemic. Um, to me, it sounded, again, very Beatles-esque, maybe even with a touch of kind of Shine On era Pink Floyd. Um, really wasn't what I was expecting at all, and I really enjoyed this track. Well, we obviously know from my last sham <laughs> <laughs> that this was the song I was referring to when I when I hear the chord progression, what it reminds me of. Um, I like your point, Anthony, about the whole uh, you know Pink Floyd sound. There's, I think there's one other song on this album that kind of has that, but this one really has um that that pink floyd vibe um i said you know again another fantastic song great way to end the album um i'm gonna have to listen to the ending part of this to hear this excerpt a little bit closer yeah because um, i didn't i just assumed that was just you know part of the song i mean nothing really sounded like it was disjointed in any way so well it's them playing it would be if we added um seven son of a seven son to the end of forsaken two just just that so we end the song seven son of a seven son <laughs> right seven son okay. of a seven is them playing it but they're just adding that to it yeah i mean is that not considered a copyright um it's a cover so they, as, as long as they play, pay their 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 um the parts, they should be fine. Yeah, I just you just think have that... to pay for using that. It's kind of like like a remix. Those people that remix albums. Right. I just I don't know. I just would have thought at this point. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I really never thought about using that as a songwriting tool. I guess. You yeah. know, where it was like, hey, we're going to write this song, and at the end of the song, we're going to take somebody else's song, and we're going to put it at the end of our song. Yeah. Hmm. Do Does that, that work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, you know, uh, the uh, we don't need the water, let the motherfucker burn. That's been used in many, many things, but that's a copyright for that. Somebody owns right. that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I so, guess it's true. You can use it. Yeah, but yeah, the that's other... a separate song, and I'll tell you, Atlantis is a really boring fucking song. <laughs> I'm just glad they used not the part where he's like, "We walk to the water, and everybody's so nice. We hold hands, and we go to Atlantis." <laughs> and I'm like, "Kill me now, just fucking kill me." <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Again. If it was this song or one of the earlier slower tunes, but do either one of you know the band Toad the Wet Sprocket? Nope. Unfortunately, yes. You know, A Walk on the Ocean? Mm-hmm. There was something in one of those songs that reminded me of that tone. 
And I think that's when I was mentioning that there was a song on there that reminded me of like 92. And I think that was what popped in my head was I kept hearing like this weird toad, the wet sprocket kind of tone in there. Um, now, again, this is probably happening before that song even comes out, but because <laughs> my timeline in my head doesn't match what my brain thinks. Well, that, uh, that album was released in 91. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Walk on the okay. Ocean is a song of the rock group, the West Parker, on their 1991 album, Fear. Okay. And Trouble has a song called Fear. Chun, chun, chun. Son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so anyways, I hope you guys enjoyed your listen of, of Manic Frustration. I'm sorry that Anthony was manically frustrated uh, because of the album's vocals. And um, I'm sorry that Paul got some... Um, Amnesia through the whole album. Well, <laughs> the track separation was very difficult for me. Um, yeah, it was for me like the first four times I listened to it. And then on the fifth time, I actually took notes and paid attention to when the tracks were ending. Um, <laughs> right. And that's what my uh, my main intention was to kind of do this morning. But I started listening to the album. By the time I sat down, had the computer on, was ready to type. I was already on track five and I was like, well, <laughs> I don't have time to go back now. So I'm just going to listen to the album again. Screw it. I'll, I'll wing it today. You know? <sighs> so I, I, I gotta say, I mean, despite the vocals, I didn't hate the album. You know, there were moments I really enjoyed. There were moments I was kind of indifferent to, and there are going to be tracks that, as I said at the beginning, that will make it onto some of my playlists. Mm, that's awesome. And that's more but, than I expected. I, I expected you to absolutely hate it because it's different from what you listen to. <laughs> I listen yeah. to a bit of everything. Yeah, see, that's I'm... next week. <laughs> <laughs> None of those tracks are making a spoiler alert. None of yeah. those tracks are making it into his playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I always quote addicted to vaginal skin. So that's as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> and somebody says, well, you know, death metal can be open to, uh, to, can be open to everybody. And I was like, yeah, like addicted to vaginal skin. And then there's always a silence. And the person just looks at me. <laughs> Then he changed to something else. <laughs> <laughs>